This is Kenya Koviak, and welcome to my magical cottage core life. Today, let's take a nice relaxing day to talk about something fun and something that will get your blood pumping, your cheeks pinking, your legs moving, and your lungs breathing fresh air. Let's talk about going outdoors and doing something you may not have ever risked doing before. Let's try something new. Today, we're going to talk about bird watching. That's right, bird watching. I know, I know. I know I was twittering about all all kinds of things and I know I heard you groan when I said twittering but listen bird watching is really fun and it doesn't have to be stuffy it doesn't have to be all you know getting everything exactly right it can be a good time for you by yourself and with your friends and I'm gonna tell you how in just a second So when you think of bird watching, you probably have this image in your head of this person dressed in a pith helmet and khakis, like a khaki short sleeve shirt and khaki shorts and maybe a khaki skirt that comes down to the knee with these weird accoutrements, these riding boots, you know, which why would you wear riding boots if you're if you're walking? more appropriately would be walking boots or hiking boots or big sturdy shoes and maybe you see them with these binoculars just hanging off of their necks and not the new little binoculars oh no not with the infrared lenses oh no not at all not with glare control or easy adjustments no you probably have in your head something along the line that you would see if you were looking for Carmen San Diego in that cartoon, you know, or like Jumanji, that kind of thing. But no, bird watching, you don't have to have that kind of outfit. I mean, it might be fun, but it's not required. What you can do though, is make sure you're dressed in sensible shoes, comfortable shoes, shoes with a good sole, Preferably shoes that cover your whole foot so that if there are thorns or things that could hurt you, they won't jab you from the top and a good sole so that you won't step on a stick and it jab you from the bottom. And another thing you want to make sure you dress in layers so you can take things off as you need or put things back on. A very light pack, preferably a backpack, and maybe a sandwich, a couple of boiled eggs, or if you don't eat meat, something else with good protein punch, and some water. Keep in mind that every good bird watcher, or rather, I shouldn't say good bird watcher, but prepared bird watcher, or any other kind of hiker into the wilderness or meadows, usually wants to pack a bandana too. If you don't have a bandana, a large handkerchief would suffice. Why? 
Well, there's a whole lot of first aid you can do with a bandana. And one day we're going to get into that, but not today. But bandanas are really useful. And with the current global situation, they could double as a mask. So there's that. But once you have all those things, make sure you have a handy dandy field guide. What's that? Let's get into it. Now for your handy dandy field guide, of course you can use your mobile telephone. I mean, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. They have identification programs, I'm sure. And that would make it a lot easier to know what bird you're looking at and to check the calls that you might be hearing so that you would know what birds are talking to each other. But it's a little bit more fun and charming if you can get your hands on a birding book you know they can be expensive though I mean I will admit they can be expensive but the Audubon Society has released some free art that you could download and print out if you're looking for specific birds also check your local parks the park systems here all have people waiting to help you just reach out to them here in Southeast Michigan we have Huron Clinton Metro Park System and they have many workshops to teach you about the different birds in the area. Audubon books are good, as are field guides. However, nothing beats you taking your own photographs and taking your own recordings if possible to take home and then sit down and say, hey, I saw this bird and I heard this and what bird could it be just in case you couldn't find it on your phone or in your book. It's kind of like keeping a log that you can put in your, you guessed it, book of stuff. You're going to hear a lot about that book of stuff. So, and if you're lucky, you know, you're fortunate, you may find feathers from different birds to put into your pack. And that would be cool too. If you are intent on doing that, if you're actually looking for those, might I recommend you take some wax paper and some Ziploc bags or if you're a little bit more environmentally aware, wax paper and some brown paper bags in order for you to preserve them and not have them mingle with each other. Then you can take them home and clean them. All right, I think we're prepped. And I think we've talked about how to start your identification. Let's talking about, talk about getting out on the trail. Now you're setting out on the trail, it's best to maybe start in the early morning or the late evening. And in order to find the bird you are looking for, if you have a specific bird, you should do some research on the habits if you're looking for specific birds to see if they're nocturnal or diurnal, or if they kind of like don't really have that kind of limitation. Another thing is to check the area that you're actually searching for birds in at that time. Migratory patterns change dur during the year. You might see a sandhill crane right now, but you won't see them later. It really depends on the time of year you're looking. Knowing when to look is just as important as knowing where to look. 
If you find that you're doing this on a regular basis, you may want to look into becoming a citizen scientist. Yes, that's actually a thing. Look it up. I'm serious. Citizen scientist. Keeping records of these things is not only good for the world as far as keeping track of what's going on as a citizen and resident of Earth. <laughs> okay, enough, enough preaching, enough preaching. But it is also good for you to know who, what, and where the things are in your environment. You know, you might notice patterns. The things that were there before may not be there now. When I grew up, we had piping plovers. I don't think I've heard a piping plover around here in about a decade. I don't think my daughter's ever heard one in this area, if at all. Paying attention to things like that make you more aware of in the world and might make you more connected to nature and wanting to help it. Also, there's something else you can do with all these records. One of the best things about getting pictures or being still on a rock when you're on the trail and in the areas, the woods and everything, is that if it's daylight, you can sit down and actually make a sketch of the bird. Take that home later and make a watercolor. Or if you're already interested in doing this kind of thing, bring your canvas and paint right there. I mean, who's going to stop you? Unless it's a corvid, in which case... Don't mess with magpies. Trust me on this. Okay, so you've done your first initial walk and you're taking your lunch. Make sure that when you do that, you don't leave anything behind. And try to leave the area cleaner than when you found it. Bring a garbage bag with you. And if there's any dirt or as far as, you know, regular soil that hasn't been disturbed, don't disturb it. Try to sit on it without digging into it or digging around looking for things. If there's trash, pick it up if it's safe. But remember the global pandemic, so you might want to use gloves or a stick to pick something up. Then drop it off in the nearest appropriate receptacle so that it can be recycled and disposed of properly. Also, I know it's tempting, but don't leave birdseed on the trail. Never leave seeds in a wild area. Why? Because you could drop something invasive. You don't know what's in a bird mix unless you check yourself. Not everything is inert. You never know what damage you could do ecologically. However, if it's something that you know that won't cause damage, have at it. Like sunflower seeds. They usually are a pretty safe bet. And I guess there's one more thing to cover. If you have a small child, or if you want to honor the child in you, you could practice your bird calls while you're out there as well. One of the things that I do like doing when I can is to try to learn the bird calls. It's another way to connect to nature, and it's kind of fun. You could even make it your ringtone. Think about it. 
once you learn bird calls, you can kind of talk to them and you may be able to develop a relationship. And if they're near your home or your cottage, it's quite possible that if you continue to call to them, they may come closer and closer. Please don't do this if you have a cat. Kitty Meow Meow with the murder mitts is not their friend. But if you can and you don't have a Kitty Meow Meow, then maybe think about calling to them and seeing if they'll become your friends. You never know. Maybe one day they might lay a little nest there and have their babies there. You could kind of be like good cousins. Who knows? Now, there is a craft that you can engage in when you're doing this bird walking exercise. And it's something that you would gather feathers to use later to make this craft. And what I'm going to recommend is that you don't ever just, you know, disturb too much of nature. But if you find the feathers, then it's absolutely okay. You can take the feathers home as long as they are not birds of prey, okay? Because there are laws against that. So no eagles, no hawks, no raptors. They are not okay unless you are an indigenous person who is authorized to use them. Those belong to them, period. Okay, so, but if you find some feathers that you can use, say like turkey feathers or sparrows or pigeons or seagulls or other birds that might be on the beach or in the woods, then you can definitely use those feathers. You can take them home, and especially Canadian geese, and you can make mobiles out of the feathers. It could be a found object mobile, and it would commemorate your time bird watching. You can leave the feathers clean and then just hang them the way they are, adding beads or leaving them plain, or you could even dye them. It's up to you. Personally, I think it's a bit much to dye them. I've also see peop seen people paint feathers, like little scenes, on the feathers themselves. So it really comes down to your creativity and what you'd like to do. But it is a fun craft and something to think about. And so now we come to the end of our short bird episode. I know, bird watching kind of just flew by. Oh, you're groaning, aren't you? You're, you're rolling your eyes in your head. I know, mom jokes. Okay. But I can tell jokes with you, right? I mean, that's what friends do, right? And I like to think we're friends. I like to talk to my friends. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you'll... Give a chance to bird watching. Sometimes when it gets a little bit warmer and the global condition is not so pressing. And I know it's kind of hard to whistle through a mask, but as long as no one else is around, I'm sure it'll be okay. Just remember, six feet. Okay, so I would like to thank you so much for visiting with me today. And I look forward to seeing you again here on My Magical Cottagecore Life. Goodbye.